1: Ladies and and gentlemen, welcome to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. Folks, as you notice, I don't have my sunglasses on if you're watching there at the video side of this podcast over at pain.tv slash gold, and that is because we have another guest here. Actually, it's the same guest we had yesterday. It's Wide Awake Jim. We're going to continue our discussion on the climate hustle, Bank for International Settle, international monetary fund united nations world economic forum the world banks the central banks central bank digital currency carbon credits and everything else connected to the technocratic slave state folks yesterday when i finished up with jim i went and did an interview on tnt radio with an old friend of mine timothy shea he has a show there called the reckoning they were going to have me for an hour they held me for two hours we were talking about transhumanism and technocracy you're going to want to check that out you You can find them at TNT Radio on all the podcast platforms. They allowed me to tape that interview, so I'll be putting it out at pain.tv slash gold and probably up at the Public Side uh, podcast channel over the weekend. It was a great interview. Timothy straddles the MAGA world, the WWE uh, clown world circus. So I had to tread lightly, but of course I can't talk about technocracy and transhumanism, which is what he wanted me to do, without talking about Peter Thiel, which is a touchy subject because Peter... Probably invests in TNT radio. I'm not sure, but he's got his money spread far and wide. So I got into Peter Thiel. And of course, Timothy had to start defending Peter Thiel, at which point I tore Peter Thiel apart and destroyed him on the radio. So who knows if I'll ever be invited back to that channel. But I think there's a good chance Timothy reached out. He said it was a great time. So folks, you're gonna want to check that out. Now, uh for those of you who don't know Jim, you're gonna want to check out episodes. 80, 88, and yesterday which was episode 120, we can't keep recapping everything we're doing in the previous episodes or we're never going to finish this. Jim came to us with over 196 documents that he has read, he has analyzed, he has highlighted for us. As you know if you followed episode 80 and 88 over at pain.tv/gold, we provide not only the documents up in the video version of the podcast, but we also post all of the PDFs and graphs that Jim has supplied there for you if you'd like to look through those to download them, you can do that at pain.tv slash gold. So, for those of you that don't know, just quickly, uh, Jim is in oil and gas royalties. He's invested in that. He also sells those investments to other folks. And so, he got into this a couple of years ago when he was doing research for his business to make sure that the whole green scam, this climate change hustle wasn't real. Or if it was real, then he wouldn't be in oil and gas if it was going to be fully replaced over a five or ten year period. And this is when he found, uh, first studying Catherine Austin Fitz and John Titus and others, and then doing his own research and looking into the documents, the white papers, the annual reports coming out of the United Nations, and that whole collection of organizations, realized it is, in fact, a scam. And oil and gas, fossil fuels, are not going anywhere according to these folks' own projections. And CO2 pollution is, in fact, not polluting and destroying the world. So Jim has dismantled that over episodes 80 and And then yesterday in episode 120, we start getting into some of the Bank for International Settlement stuff. Yesterday, we actually started talking about solutions to avoiding some of these things in your life. And so it was a very productive episode. So, Jim, thank you very much for coming back and joining us here at the Dustin Gold Standard. So we want to just start digging into this stuff, my friend. Yeah, Thanks for having me back. Uh, i feel at this point
0: with all the documents i've read i could probably successfully debate just about anybody on the
1: topic Well, I was saying to you privately, and I've pointed out to the audience as well, when we're analyzing the central bankers over at the panel discussions at the BIS, the IMF, the UN, World Economic Forum, these guys are such puppet figureheads. You're listening to them talking about banking and finance and CBDC and technology and climate and inclusion. They read off of the same 10 bumper sticker slogans like i literally think if there was ever an opportunity which there would never be for someone like you to stand on the stage with the head of the bank of france who's also the chairman of the bank for international settlements or uh, international monetary fund I, they, they, all these guys blend together you would give your opening statement and these guys would just fold and walk off the stage because i don't think they have any idea what they're managing or what they're the figurehead for
0: well, once you know what to look for and kind of the questions to ask, like even in these charts and graphs, and we're going to go re- revisit one again today. Once you know the, 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 the manipulation that's involved, it, it's really quick to dissect. It doesn't take a lot of brain power and it doesn't take a lot of time. It's pretty, pretty easy.
1: Yeah, and to be honest with you, when you watch these folks, I don't even know if these guys that sit as the governors of some of these central banks even know that half the stuff they're talking about is a scam. Maybe the reason they're true believers is because they've never actually read the documents yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> i mean if you pointed it out and you said look over on uh, page 1069 of uh, this bis such and such document it says right here x y and C. they probably would have no idea what you're talking about
0: <laughs> it's it's a pretty safe bet that none of them have read the thousand page geology survey of finland like i did
1: no, I, I would say they're the equivalent of the Nancy Pelosi's of the world saying you have to pass it to see what's in it. Like, basically, they're saying, yeah. I didn't read it, but the lobbyists told me they would put a million dollars into my pack if I vote <laughs> for this thing. Right. That's basically what happens. All right, so you want to you start with this chart from yesterday? Because you sent over yeah, some new information that, that was interesting. Yeah, I want to pull that same
0: chart. In, uh, we, this, for, for those that are new or didn't listen to yesterday's show, this is the annual CO2 emissions by world region. Uh, now it goes all the way back to 1750 and I highlighted in two boxes, when you hover over the graph, it gives you the details uh, by you know a region of the world. And so I highlighted 1979 to 2021 and to show that the entire increase in global annual CO2 emissions is China, India and Southeast Asia. Uh, the U S which we talked about is dead flat. It's exactly the same from 42 years ago, 43 years ago. And, um, the EU is down about by a third ish as well as uh other Europe. So anyways, you know, this if you look at this graph on pain.tv, um this is it, it's like the first, you know, going up when you first get in the roller coaster, you're going up for that first hill. That's the slope. This thing's going up like 80 degrees, almost 90 degrees up from about 1950 forward. Um, but it's misleading because the, the graph, the x axis goes all the way back to 1750. And so I suggested on the show yesterday that if you shortened that, that time period, the slope of that graph would not be 80 degrees straight up. It would be a lot uh, more smooth, gradual increase. And I have a couple of questions, anyways. How in the world did they measure carbon emissions? uh co2 emissions in 1750 or 1800 (laughs) or 1850 or 1900 or 1950 and the second question would be had they know how much came from each country
1: yeah exactly so and and how did that come from the european union when there was no european union in 1750. I mean, what, were, they running, were they running around counting the smoke coming out of teepees? I mean, that's I pretty no aggressive. Idea. I mean, I thought back in seven, let's just make it clear though, because in 1750 here in the United States, Ben Franklin might've been running around with a kite with a key on it. And that was to actually measure the carbon emission, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure they even knew what CO2 was in 1750, <laughs> let alone measuring it. I mean, it it is comical. See, this is why it's great. Like you said, once you understand the grift and the schemes, you're then able to use what you just did, which is just a little bit of common sense and can ask these silly little questions. And those silly little questions blow up their entire uh, supposed research that they're presenting to us.
0: Yeah, all the thousands and thousands of pages of, of research reports that they put out, and the, I don't know, millions of man hours and manpower they put behind it. Dissected in 10 seconds.
1: I'm telling you, that, that, see that would be a hilarious question if you were debating someone in the in the climate uh, grift and you actually asked them the question, like you said yesterday lead people into these questions where they have to discover the answers for themselves don't hammer them over the head and call them an idiot, but if you said to them you know it's quite interesting, I was looking at the annual CO2 emissions by world region report that you had put out, interesting graph I love it, it's interactive, it's great, I just had a question because I wasn't sure, so back in seventeen. 17- 50 was it was Thomas Jefferson working on measuring the CO2 at the same time he was drafting the declaration of independence I mean, wh- how did this all work what were they like who was actually out there surveying this this is not and I mean, they're going to tell you they predict it through fossils in the ground or something like that. That's I'm not problem. even sure when was the steam engine for railroads invented? <laughs> I don't know.
0: We'll look that <laughs> up, though. Yeah, we'll have to look it up because <laughs> it might be after
1: 1750. <laughs> might be in the 1800s. I, that's what I'm guessing. <laughs> that's what I was going to guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's anyway, take so a look. Anyway, so let's
0: take a look at the same chart. I figured out how to flatten the curve so, or flatten the, the, the slope. So I took the same chart and there's a there's a little on the x-axis there's a little grab and slide uh thing to get, should change the years so i changed it the beginning year from 1750 which is what they originally started with to 1979 and again you know i didn't put the boxes on here because it's blatantly obvious that the two countries on the top the green and red which are china well it's the second was not a country it's it's asia less less china so it's really southeast asia not including china those two account for 100 percent of the increase in co2 it's a straight line for everybody else
1: yeah and for, for the audio all the audience it's pretty amazing so you're looking at european union then europe excluding the union you have united states north america excluding u.s south america africa india and they are literally, I mean, pretty much straight bars. I mean, they're, they're obviously jagged because they go up or down a couple of points each year. But they're pretty mm-hmm. much straight bars. And then you have a wedge, like a cheese wedge, going from the small side of the cheese to the larger end of the cheese, which is Asia. You know, it's just Asia and China. So, And, and then at the top, you have an international transport which is just a small number it's
0: not yeah, much but china is is
1: china and asia
0: is the 100% of the increase
1: yeah I mean, it's damning, and and this is why, again, just to point out what you were talking about yesterday, going back to the graph from yesterday, going the one that starts with 1750, this is the trickery, this is the magic, this is the propaganda that they use to make this look scary, like if we back this all the way up to uh, zero, you know, or to uh, 1 BC, it would look like a straight line, you go, whoa, holy crap, a straight line, it exploded, CO2 must have shot yeah. right up of the earth like a volcano and this is the trickery this is the magic the marketing uh, of how they how they're able to pull this off it would be so great in a world of technocracy Jim that if you had the ability like a Google search to type this graph name in and you got to see everywhere in history that one of these buffoons used this graph at a presentation in front of the UN the world Economic, it would be amazing like you would pull up like all of them going look at this dangerous thing like to see how they actually this something like this
0: yeah they make it look scary and then when you shorten the the time frame again which i did for you for the audience to back to 2000 to 2021 again two things stand out okay well the slope of the increase in total worldwide co2 emissions is not that great i mean it's up but it's not crazy like the first chart and, and secondly it's all china and southeast asia still mm-hmm. europe's going down The U.S. is down from 2020. Everybody else is down. They're the only ones that are up. And a little tiny bit in the international transport, which I presume is cargo ships.
1: Yeah. Now, when you take this and put it into context with uh, the other documents that this was included in, what are they using this for? To make the case that um, there's an explosion in CO2 emissions, and therefore we have to do all the things that we've talked about here in episodes 80, 88, and 120?
0: Yeah, well, they didn't use this graph in the other documents that I saw exactly, but they certainly talked about there's an explosion in CO2 emissions, um, and it's all caused by humans, which is not true. You go dig up the, you go watch the documentary we talked about, I think, in episode 80. Um, it's called the Great Global Warming Swindle and it's got all kinds of scientists in there that worked with the IPCC group that's leading the charge on the green grift and climate change um, they're not these you know, these these individual scientists out in the middle of nowhere that are crazy nutjobs, they worked mm-hmm. with the IPCC and the data came from NOAA and NASA and all these other uh, scientists in the IPCC arena and they tell you that Humans cause some uh, CO2 emissions, which leads to some uh, of the greenhouse gas problem. But they also tell you that volcanoes are 10 times the amount annually of CO2 emissions than all human activity combined. And oceans are even bigger than volcanoes. Now, interestingly, in the last, I don't know, three or four months, we had two major volcanic eruptions, did we not? Yes. Yes. Did did anybody talk about the CO2 being emitted by those two volcanic eruptions? I didn't see it. I didn't hear it.
1: I'm sorry. I was taking a look here to see uh, the steam engine question that you had brought up, uh, doing a little fact-checking over here. It was actually invented in 1698, but it didn't go into use until late 1700s. Okay. So So, you were right. You said, I think it uh, happened after 1750.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. All right. So um, folks, I guess we're just going to go plow through a bunch of documents. Yeah, We've got a lot of highlighted stuff. Um, I'll read some of it. Some of it I won't read. It's redundant. And if you you want the documents, you have to subscribe to pain.tv, which I think is less than nine bucks a month. Go in there. Even if you just want to go in there for a month, grab the documents and leave. Fine. That's cool, too.
1: Look at Jim. He's over here selling uh, pain.tv slash gold I get nothing out of it, so I I don't care. (laughs) I I know. If you want to look at the documents, look at the documents. Um, All right. So what I was going to do, because uh, Jim had sent these over, and I just have them in folders. So he sent a bunch on November 30th, December 1st, December 6th, December 8th. December 15th the 16th so i was going to start with uh november 30th and i'm just going to start going through these uh there's a couple yeah. here related to uh tesla do you want to talk about these ones sure I mean Tesla and Elon Musk are one of my favorite company and people on the planet. I love Musk; he's a hero. He bought Twitter, and he's over there trolling, and everyone loves him. And they don't ask themselves one simple question using common sense: Do they really believe a man who gets to play the richest man on earth every other week? You know, it's musical chairs with those guys who answers to boards, you know, board of directors who runs several multi-billion-dollar companies and has multi billions of dollars in government contracts and. Any given time has the time and energy to be memeing on twitter i mean does anyone actually ask themselves if this is real folks or you're just part of a psyop here because you think elon musk is sitting there playing around on twitter sending out tweets all day on stupid political stories when a guy like him knows that republican democrat means absolutely nothing like come on right don't fall for this. All right. So this first document, you have a split article, energy currency. Yeah. If you could make it large, larger on the screen so I
0: could read it, that'd be great.
1: Yes, we can. Let's put it on the whole screen.
0: There we go. So this is from the 2012 Tesla conference. Um, I'll just read some stuff here. Climate change, debt resource depletion, and scarcity. Inequality and fiscal and trade imbalance are all critical problems which our fiat currency-based financial systems both mask and exacerbate. Dealing with them should be our true priority, but instead we find ourselves stuck in the mud and fog of finance. So what is he saying? He's basically saying we have to roll out carbon credits and technocracy. Get rid of the old old system. Uh, He, I should say, wasn't necessarily musk it was a whole conference if we want to do more than maximize consumption and strive for growth forever we need to identify new goals and create measurement systems which will allow us to reach them that's carbon credits and technocracy definitely and here's a table of commodities which have been used as currency and many have worked well this is their strengths and weaknesses that they do vary considerably so it's a historic Currency viability Table and the long Term to long term stability column Is what I have highlighted and Lo and behold They have printed money as One of the historical currency um, That is in this table and The long term stability is labeled as Poor (laughs) That's interesting
1: of course Isn't
0: that interesting
1: Elon is a Yeah and Elon is a big universal basic income pusher he's talked about it multiple times i'm in the process right now and i haven't done any (coughs) excuse me i haven't done any shows on it yet but i am in the process of uh dissecting some of his connections to some of the companies and investors related to central bank digital currency. Because I think if I dig hard enough, I will find that. Because UBI and CBDC go hand in hand. It's all the same companies working on the um, technological infrastructure for them. So once I have that information, I'll do a show on it.
0: All right. So it goes on to say commodity certificates, i.e. carbon credits, energy credits, Exchange between merchants also worked extremely well. Defined goods exchanged between experts with specific redemption time, hard to beat. In 18th century Europe, these commodity certificates were written on paper while they were inscribed on clay tablets in ancient Egypt and Assyria. Despite its current dominance of world finance, though, printed fiat currency, i.e. baseless currency, is coming under a very critical light, and none too soon. Fortunately, a suitable replacement is available. The Uber commodity, the one upon which all other commodities, our economies, and our societies are now based, is available. Over the past century, it has stepped beyond its embodied forms into pure stocks and flows, which can be applied for any purpose. It has the scale and the liquidity to meet all of the demands, both present and future, of an advanced currency.
1: (laughs) Here we go. Energy
0: is ready to be established as the monetary representation of the real wealth creation process, which it now empowers. Energy is the physical basis for our economies and societies, and it is past time to measure our progress in the commodity, which is directly responsible for it. Every bit as much as seal oil for the Eskimos or Wheat for the Egyptians, energy sustains the modern human condition. Imagine a truly advanced society in which environmental assets and human development were valued instead of cash flow and consumption. Imagine a system of exchange based on energy. The word money would not exist.
1: Okay, okay, and I was going to pull it up, but I don't want to sidetrack us. But this is directly from... Uh, technocracy going back to the 1920s in 1937 when they published the full energy certificate report which was already in the works going back to mid-1920s the whole entire system the whole technique which was basically a continent run from the panama canal up to the north pole basically a territory would run on energy that's what technocracy was it was all about measuring everything on energy output of goods and services and then measuring the efficiency of humanity based on you being thought of as a human engine and how much food and oxygen you took in, how much energy you consumed, versus what you put back into the system in terms of work, which they determined that a human was only 10% efficient. And so we were already marked for extermination a long time ago. Meanwhile, folks, just so you know, Elon Musk's, uh, maternal grandfather was actually the head of Technocracy, Inc., when he was up in canada so i mean and that's real that's like that's published there's old articles you can find on this his grandfather was a bigwig in the technocracy movement also later became part of the social credit party in canada so you have social credit and you have technocracy going all the way back there to the 1930s so that's what elon musk actually grew out of this is great jim i've never actually seen this so this is uh that's awesome i'm going to use this over and over again so thank <laughs> that's you. 2012 I appreciate that how much do i have uh, to pay if, you for the research
0: <laughs> <laughs> nothing <laughs> if this technology actually existed monetary problems would not be at the forefront of public discussion now i want to pause right there in the sentence because who created the monetary problems
1: yeah exactly the, banksters? the okay. same economic right. terrorists that are offering the solutions to it
0: yeah exactly Nor would we be experiencing as many of the social and economic issues we are today. Go back to, go Google this, all right? Somebody go Google this. Pull up a chart from, call it 1971, 1972, when the U.S. went off the gold standard, and pull up an income inequality chart. And you will see the divergence began the minute we took the gold standard away. So the bankers created the inequality, and now they're blaming inequality as the reason they got to get rid of fiat currency and roll out carbon credits.
1: Exactly. And, and I'm about to do a show soon because I've been talking a little bit about... Uh gold is sort of a side, local side business, you know, buying scrap gold cheap uh, and then actually refining it yourself. But some of the major refineries that people are selling to, you know, all the hustlers that go out and do this or the pawn shops that sell to the refineries at anywhere between 90 and 98% of the spot price of gold. I found out that a lot of them are melting it down, refining it, and then they're sending the gold bars to the Federal Reserve. So I'm doing a little more research. I know a guy who's in this business who owns a big refinery. We did a corporate event for him years ago. I'm trying to get a hold of him to see if he'd come on because I found out that his company is actually doing this. They're melting the gold down and then they're selling it back to the Federal Reserve. So my question is, are they trying to take all the gold off the streets? Because people like me are starting to go, aha, maybe uh, there's going to be a demand again for gold and people to hedge against inflation. I'll start buying gold, melting it down in my garage and selling people, you know, quarter ounce gold uh gold bars and uh well are they going to try to get all the gold off the streets that might be what is going on it's going to be interesting yeah, I when i'm figuring out crazy so then stuff, at the man. bottom
0: of this uh this document again from 2012 we towards the bottom we now have the same table but now it's called instead of past currency it's future currency and it's got them ranked by this score and the columns you know to create the score are intrinsic value uh scientifically definable portable, scalable, widely valued, defined redemption and long-term stability. And what is ranked the highest? Energy.
1: <laughs> yeah, and what's ranked the lowest? Printed money. <laughs> printed money.
0: Energy has a score of 71, printed money has a score of 34.
1: Wow, that's uh this is great. So do you when you were going through this document all right, so this is Tesla doing a conference to what, the fans or the investors or shareholders or?
0: Yeah, I don't know. It was a conference they had in 2012. I don't remember. Been through two right. documents.
1: I'll dig a little more into this because th- this is actually, I find to be really fascinating here because what is tesla in 2012 but a company that's supposedly making ev cars and this is what they're talking about at their conference rating uh, energy versus printed money <laughs> like i thought they were just a car company well it might not be
0: a tesla as the company that we thought of at this conference it might be a tesla conference meaning uh, Nikola Tesla
1: oh you're not sure exactly uh, uh I'm what not this, sure uh, I, I okay. mean I've, I've certainly read it at
0: one point but forgive me folks I read probably 2,000 pages so I can't remember <laughs> all of them I don't have a
1: photographic memory well you're going to need to get a brain chip then serious <laughs> 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 so basically
0: they've got a uh they want to contrast to the Zimbabwe 100 billion bill zimbabwe on one side energy currency on the other if there really was uh if there was really an energy backed currency which side would have the most credibility
1: uh-huh. this is interesting
0: it's just nothing but a sales sales uh, piece here so uh, i mean we can there's a few more things highlighted but nothing
1: Nothing well let me see I, I, just for the last person to try to redeem the printed promise will likely be disappointed final stages of the cycle when the mismatch between expectation and reality becomes all too apparent we refer to it as a monetary crisis but it was a crisis from the beginning we just didn't realize it at the time societies and economic systems crisis they created blamed. yeah Plagued by monetary problems since money was invented. Well, this is what I pointed out to the audience, Jim, because when we reviewed the BIS and the uh, IMF, UN, and WEF panel discussions on CBDC, you have all the governors. Uh, of the central banks and the heads of the IMF and BIS, all these managing directors and such. And they're sitting there telling you this, like about all the problems and the problems. But now if you let us concentrate more power through the CBDC, that's programmable, expirable, it allows us to set rules. And you're sitting there going, wait a second. What the problem you're claiming is going on right now is a problem that you created. You're the central banks. You're the one who has the stranglehold over all of these supposedly sovereign countries. And now you're going to tell us there was a problem created with your fiat currency system. And so the only way to fix it is to what? Give you more power and control? Yeah.
0: give you more
1: power and control because you control the money system already and the flow of the printed currency of which you don't even have enough to give it to all of us if we went to the banks and said we wanted it and now you're telling me the only way to fix that is for you to track every transaction i make down to the last uh tea bag that i buy at the airport i mean that's going to make everything better (laughs) yeah